You know, last week uh, we, we, we talked about courage. And I don't know if you remember, you know, we talked about the pastor that knocked the guy out and everything. And, and we talked about um, just this spirit of boldness. And, and again, when I, when I hear messages on evangelism, like when I've heard those messages, I, I walk out and a lot of times I feel guilty. And that's, that's not what we want. Um, the, the idea is not, uh, did I say idea? <laughs> Wow, the idea um, is not to uh, is not to like uh, play Holy Spirit and make people feel guilty. Um, like I, I, I shared, there's I, I think a lot of us already feel the guilt. What I want to do is get rid of it um, because, and the reason why we feel the guilt is it says in Scripture, it says in Second Corinthians one seven that God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power, of love, and self-control. That means when you became a believer and God's spirit came into you, that spirit inside of you is this spirit of power. It's not this scared, oh, I'm worried about this, worried about that type of spirit, but it's a spirit of confidence. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of self-control. So whenever, because the Bible says that we become a slave to that spirit that's in us. So, so it's this idea of whenever we go against the Spirit, it's almost like that slave is beating us with this conviction. And so that's why when we feel fear, something in our spirit just isn't right. We just go, man, that's not the Spirit that's in me. I, I'm a coward right now, and, and so now I'm feeling this conviction. Why? Because that's not the Spirit that's in you. The Spirit that's in you is this powerful Spirit. It's this courageous Spirit. It's this loving Spirit. And it's this whole idea of um, living boldly is something that I think that those of you, or I know that those of you who are believers, you want. It's this desire that's in you. It's this spirit that's in you. He's made you to be that way. And so when you chicken out of things, it bugs you inside because you know, yeah. Oh, did I say First Timothy? Second Timothy. What's that? Oh, I said 2 Corinthians? Okay, 2 Timothy 1.7. Sorry, okay, going way back. Let's start over. Um, <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.7. God gave us a, a spirit not of fear, but of power and self-love. Power. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, um, here's the thing. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. When you're alone... Okay, not not when you're at church, not when you're with your family, not when you're with other Christian friends, not when you're at a Christian concert, whatever else. You're alone and you've got this book with you and it's just you and this book. Do you feel peace about your life? Think about that. Because I noticed that for a lot of years in my life, I would feel peace when I was surrounded with other American Christians. I would feel peace when I was in fellowship with other people. But when I was alone with this book, and it was just God and I, and I'm reading this scripture, I didn't have complete peace because I'm looking at what the Bible calls me to do and how it calls me to live. And I would look at the way I was living and looking at the way we do church, and I'm going, ah, I'm just not there. I, I just don't feel like, I feel like a lot of times I'm playing a game or I'm doing like a, a watered down version of this book. 
And I wasn't real honest with that. And I think sometimes we know the right things to say in church and the right things to say in a Christian environment. And yet when we're alone, we're not at complete peace. And that's what I'm talking about. The spirit that's in us, that's bugging us, saying you ought to be more, more bold than this. I gave you a spirit that wasn't fearful and wasn't timid. I put this spirit in you that's this powerful, this powerful spirit, this loving spirit, the spirit that has absolute self-control. And so when you're alone and you're dealing with God and his word, you know inside there's more. Like that song we just sang, there must be more than this. I know it. I know it in the very core of my being and that spirit that God put in me that I could be more bold than I am. I could show more love than I do. I could have more self-control. And, and even though I get around other Christians who tell me, well, you know what? You can't be perfect. And you know what? Everyone struggles in that area. I go, no, inside I know I have more power than this. I have this spirit of self-control. And yeah, while everyone does this and everyone lusts and everyone has a little bit of pride, every, you know, all of those things don't really comfort me when I'm alone with the Lord because inside of me there's this spirit that says, you know you could be more courageous. You, you know you're, you could be more bold. You, you got more power in you than that. You got more love. Everyone says, oh, you don't have to forgive that person. You don't have any love left. You know what? God understands. He wants you on and on and all these nice little cute little Christian sayings. When the reality is, is when you're alone with God, you go, you know what? I was destined for more than this. I could say more. I could love more. I could show more self-control. And there's a lack of peace. And yet, you know those times when you're walking, right? You're walking in the spirit. You're in that zone and you go, okay, this feels right. This is right. This is right. I have peace before God because we can fool people. I can lie to people all day long. I just can. I just know the words to say, but there's just something about that peace when you're alone with God. And, 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 and let me explain something too about this peace because you may go, oh, no, I think I'm at peace. There's a big difference between having peace about something and ignoring something. In other words, there are certain things that we are convicted about. And if we just don't think about it, we don't feel any shame. We don't feel any guilt. We don't feel any conviction if we just don't think about it. Then suddenly someone causes you to think about it again. And those feelings come up. And so you know what you do is you just ignore it. You push it away. But I'm telling you, there's a big difference between peace, having peace about something and ignoring something. Because I've ignored things in my life. And there is this false sense of, oh, I feel better, I feel better, I just don't need to think about it. Let me just pretend. No one's going to hell. Hey, it's a happy place. You know, let me just ignore, ignore, ignore. And there's other times I just deal with things. And I come to terms with God, and I genuinely feel peace about it. And so let's not kid ourselves into thinking we're at peace with something when the truth is, is we just ignore certain things in our lives and we choose not to think about it. And you know what? And we can go other places. And that's what the Bible says. You know, we studied that passage in 2 Timothy 3 and 4 about how in the end times people are just going to walk away and try to get their ears tickled. I want to hear things, you know, that bring me peace. I don't, I, I want to ignore those other things. And so if you're going to address this, this, and this, I'll find somewhere else to go. 
Because I want to ignore that. I want to ignore that. I want to ignore that. Rather than say, no, let's just deal with it. Inside of you, there's this spirit that just wants to break out. That has so much power. And so much confidence. And so much courage. And that's who God made us to be. And that's what I want about this. A lot of times when I hear a message on uh, evangelism or courage, I would just try harder. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm going to be more bold this week, right? I'm going to just start telling people about Jesus on it. And I would try and try and try and muster up because I wanted this. I wanted to do this. But you guys, if we do that, my concern is, is that we can just go out these doors and start doing evangelism. Rather than truly being men and women who love people so much and love God so much. We've got to bring it back to those two commandments that, that Jesus says sums up everything. Loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Because the truth is, is, isn't it true that the most courageous times in our lives are the times when we're closest to God? I mean, when you sense, you see, even for me, like when I'm in this room and, and I don't think about you guys too much. I mean, I think of you in the sense of, okay, I love these guys, and I'll give them a message. I want to care for them. I want to build them up. But when I can get kind of beyond you and try to imagine God himself in this room, and I think about my creator. I think about the one who, who gave everything for me. I think about this one who's sitting on his throne, and he determines whether I live through this. And I just think about him and I think, okay, God, I'm going to say whatever you want me. And if I'm close to God and I'm thinking about him, man, then I will say anything. It's just when I take my eyes off of him and I look at you guys and go, oh, if I say this to him, I wonder if he'll come back next week. If I say this and she's in the room, I wonder if she'll come back. Ooh, she might be offended by this. Oh, you, that, that might bug her. You know, that's when I start thinking about these people. But if I'm in love with, see, it all comes back to loving God and loving people, doesn't it? Because if you're in love with God, you're going, God, I care about you. I just want to give a message that you care about. And, and, and I don't care if people hate me. It's, it's about you. I love you with all of my heart, all my soul, all my mind. So whatever happens, happens. But I'm going to love you. And you, I, I think that we've all, maybe not all of us, but I think a lot of us have been in that zone before. Where you go, God, I just love you. And I'm picturing your presence with me on this stage, in this room. And I'm your created being. And I could care less about anyone else. It's, it's you. Yes, I love them. And I want to see them come to know you and everything else. But it's you I want to please. Man, that's such a great way to live, isn't it? You know, those few times in life when you just go, God, I am just in a zone. I see you. You are there. And, and, and that's when we're courageous. It's not about mustering up courage outside of God. It's about this intimacy with God that creates a courage. See, that's what I see in Stephen. Remember the story of Stephen? Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 when people are about ready to kill him. And what does Stephen say? It says uh, in, in Acts chapter 7 verse 54, it says, When they heard these things, they were enraged. So Stephen is preaching and people were enraged, the Bible says. And they ground their teeth at him. Okay, that's never happened here. Yet. I mean, it has with certain individuals, but, but not as a whole. I mean, I mean, there's times, man, I'll be talking and I'll just see certain faces just going, you know, just seething. And it's, it, it's great. And uh, he just says, everyone is grinding their teeth at him. But he, 
But Stephen, he doesn't back off. He doesn't go, ooh, I'm bugging people. I'm making them mad. No, he goes, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit, where he goes, you know what? I got that spirit of power in me. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He was full of the Spirit. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their, car- their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. I love that. Here's this guy. Man, he's just laying it out. And people are hating him. So angry. They're, they're chasing him outside the city with rocks. And now they're just pelting him with rocks. And, and, but Stephen's just focused. He goes, you guys, I'm looking. I can actually see Jesus right now. You don't get it. You don't get it. I actually, I physically see him. It's like God just opened my eyes and I can see in heaven now. I'm seeing he's sitting there by the throne. And at that moment, he's going, I don't care. Throw rocks at me. Do whatever you want. Do anything you want. I don't care because I'm so close to Jesus right now that I can even see his face. And people are throwing stones at him and he's being stoned to death. And he's going, I don't care. And he goes, Jesus, take my spirit. He's just in his own world. See, that's courage. Where does that courage come? Because he could, he could see Jesus. If we could see him, if we were so close like Stephen, so filled with the Holy Spirit, that courage is just going to come. So the, the whole idea is not go out there and be more courageous. The whole idea is fall in love with Jesus so much. Get so close to him that you can see him and you sense his presence. And you're so in love that you go, God, I, I don't care what's going on around me. These people are yelling at me. They're throwing rocks at me. And then he says, he says and, and Father, don't, don't forgive them. Don't hold this against them. They don't see you like I see you. Where have we heard that before? It's just a powerful moment. He was so close to Jesus. He was just like Jesus. He could see Jesus. So as we talk about being bold and courageous, understand this is not about, you know, being tough guy and going out there and saying, I don't care. I don't care. It's about I am so close to Jesus that I'm in my zone and I'm so comfortable right now. I'm so at peace. I'm just kind of look. I remember one time I, I was speaking and I, I, I gave a message that was, you know, a little harder. Um, I guess that's every week. But uh, this, uh, I remember this, this lady, you know, came up to me afterwards just to encourage me. She goes, just keep preaching. Just look over their heads. Look over their heads. Look over. Look above them. Look above them. I'm like, right on. You know, what a great statement. Like, she just goes, just look over their heads. And just look at God. Just see him there. And then just say whatever you need to say. Because God's there. See, that's when we're courageous with people, isn't it? When we're not so into ourselves and insecure. But here's the thing. Is, is everything in the Bible comes back to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's, the idea is not going out and just preaching to people. The, because uh, the idea is loving people so much. Like in the core of your being, you just hurt for them. You weep for them. It bugs you. You love them so much that you can't help but tell them about Jesus. Because many of you have experienced, we've all experienced life without this intimacy with God and life without this peace and life without this spirit and the zone we get in. And it's, it's like seeing people that we care about and loving them so much that it's like, ah, I don't even have a speech plan. I just got to say something because it's coming out from inside of me. Scripture constantly emphasizes the heart, you know, scripture speaks against heartless religion. And just doing these acts because we're supposed to. Everything Jesus talked about was what was inside of you and how it's coming out. And how God gave you the spirit of love. This love toward God. This love towards other people. And so out of that spirit of love comes these words. Otherwise, we just kind of do things. We do church. Hey, let's do community. Let's do evangelism. Rather than in my heart. I, I'm just so in love with God and so in love with you that I don't have to try to create community. I just go, man, I, whatever is mine's yours because I really care about you that much. It's not forcing people to give away their possessions. It's, it's going, no, I genuinely care about that, that, that orphan. So I, I don't know what else to do but to give. I'm not doing it to earn something. I'm not doing it to be religious. I just genuinely love that kid. Why is that so hard to believe? God gave me that spirit of love. And suddenly I love these people and I love the poor. I love those who are needy. And it's, it's just, it's coming out from me rather than this religious, hey, look at what I'm doing and all these good things I'm doing. See, I, I think that in the Christian world, so much of our failure in evangelism comes from a lack of sincerity. When we talk about evangelism in churches across America, we have little tracks, we have formulas, we have speeches that we memorize. Do you think people can't see through that? You think they can't see through a rehearsed speech and a few points and an outline that you were taught in an evangelism class? Where they go, oh yeah, I had some guys knock on the door doing the same thing. To me a while ago. No, no, I'm not one of those. I'm one of these. And we're in a different uh, group that you try to explain everything or whatever. But the, the truth is, is people can see when you do something out of a sense of duty. And they can also see when you look into their eyes and you genuinely care about them. And you're not just giving them this speech rehearsed. Maybe you don't even have the words to say. You're just crying like, a, like an idiot and going, man, I, I just got to tell you, man, I'm crazy about you. And this thing I have with God, it's, it's been so good for me. I don't have the words. I don't know. Just God is so good to me. He really is good to me. And I just love you so much. And it kills me that you don't know him. I, I, these are stupid words. But do you see my... See, when you talk like that, people go, okay, I don't agree with you. But I can tell you for real, I can tell something keeps you up at night like you genuinely love me. I disagree with everything you're saying. But man, what, what is it about you? And yeah, no, you don't have the words to say. I, you don't have the answers to everything. And the Bible says we are to grow in our knowledge. But, you know, but don't lose that love. 
Because it's all about the love. I mean, here, here, here's what it comes down to. If we loved God with all of our hearts, and if we loved our neighbors as much as ourselves, would I ever need to give a sermon on evangelism? No, right? Because if you love someone as much as yourself and you think, okay, if that were me and I don't have Jesus in my life, if that were me and I have not been forgiven by God, if, I, if that were me, what would you want someone to do for you? You're about to face God and no one's told you about forgiveness or you've never understood or you've never seen it, you've never experienced No one just laid it out for you. Wouldn't you want someone to tell you? Of course And so when you start loving someone as much as you love yourself, you just go, okay, if that were me, I'd want someone to say something. You you just, it just comes out. We wouldn't have to talk about That's why I love, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. You know, Jesus just says, wow, these two verses really do sum everything up. If you love everyone, if you love people as much as you love yourself, then you're not going to lie to them. You're not going to commit adultery with them. You're not going to obviously not murder them. You're going to share with them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, see the thing I love about Paul, when you read about him in Philippians, man, it was just the real thing, right? That's what I've noticed as I've been studying through Philippians. It's like Paul was just the real thing. Like in his heart, he really didn't care about anything else. He really was in that zone. And it, was, it came from his heart. It wasn't a speech that he learned. It wasn't a track that he memorized. It's just, it was just everything about him. He just really loved Jesus. And, and that's all he cared about was, I got to get this good news to people because I am genuinely concerned about people. And... Uh, you know, like the Bible says that it's out of the, uh, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. See, it's out of the overflow of whatever's in here is going to come out your mouth. See, and Jesus was like talking to these Pharisees and going, man, you're all worried about this, this, this. Don't eat this. Don't say this, whatever. He goes, it's about what's in here. They were trying to eat foods that were you know, only clean and doing all these religious things. He goes, it's not about what goes into your body. It's about what's coming out. See, because what's coming out is a reflection of your heart. And in church, we teach people to watch their words. Hey, don't say this in church. Don't say that in church. Hell no. Do not say that. Not in church. When we should be saying, no, watch your heart. Why, why did you say that? How come that came out? What's springing out from there? I'm hearing these words because you're being honest with me, but these words of honesty are revealing to me something that's going on in your heart. And we miss the issue, and so we just try to say the right things when we're here rather than the truth. And we learn these Christian slogans, and we make ourselves feel good because we've kept this religious thing going on. But what's going on in the heart? What's really in your mind? For Paul, it was real. It wasn't just saying the right things. That's why in Philippians 1, verse 15, remember Paul's in prison and he says an interesting thing. He's talking about while he's in prison. Remember last week we talked about how he was just happy that the gospel is being spread. He goes, this is great. I'm in jail, but I get to preach to all the guards. And now the whole guard, all of them know. The whole Praetorian guard knows about my faith in Jesus Christ. Not only that, but now people out there are being more bold and they're talking about Jesus. This is a good thing. He goes, I'm rejoicing in this. 
In, in verse 15, he goes, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry and others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my presence, in my, in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Paul's saying, you know what? As I'm in jail, people are preaching Christ more boldly. And he says, some are doing it because they have great hearts. But then he says something very significant. He goes, other people, they're just preaching out of rivalry or envy. They're trying to hurt me. And it's kind of weird, but it's almost like trying to come up with like a modern day example. It'd almost be like if I were put in jail and if another pastor thought, oh, good, Francis is gone. You know what? Now maybe I can get a bunch of people to my church. You, you know what I mean? It's almost like, and I'm not saying anyone would have that heart, but I'm saying that in Paul's um, day, there was this idea of when Paul went into jail. See, Paul preached this gospel that says, look, you die for him. You do everything for him. But then there's these other people that were preaching this prosperity type of gospel that was saying, no, you know what? If you follow Jesus, you'll be rich. You don't have to suffer and everything else. And Jesus is going, no. I mean, Paul's saying, no, look at Jesus' life. We got to suffer for him. This other stuff's nonsense. And so when Paul went into jail, you know, his, his opponents, you know, the prosperity guys were going, see, look at what happened to Paul. You, you follow him, you'll end up in jail and everything else. And Paul's going, no, you don't get it. I'm fine in here. I, it's okay. I'm going to suffer just like Jesus. I, I, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. This is really, he goes, these other people, they're preaching all this stuff, thinking that I'll be in jail and I'll be all shamed. Like, oh no, you know, those guys are preaching. Oh no, their churches are getting bigger. He goes, I don't care. I don't care what kind of motives they have. They could have the worst heart in the world. As long as they're preaching the gospel, I'm cool with it. Because that's really all I care about is the gospel. Paul's whole life, he goes, I, I just want people to know about Jesus. I don't care if they like me. I don't care if they come to my church. I just want them in love with Jesus. I want them to hear that good news that they can be forgiven and have this relationship with God. And, and if they can get that, then great. Great, then I don't care. I'll be in jail. I'll do whatever. It doesn't matter if they're rich or whatever. I just want Jesus proclaimed. And uh, I was thinking about this because I thought, wow, Paul really had this one-track mind. It was just about Jesus. He didn't care what they thought about him. And I thought he's kind of like, uh, like Don King. <laughs> no one respects him, okay? He doesn't care. You know, he's just promoting these fights, right? He goes, as long as you watch the fight, as long as you pay for the money, you know, whatever. As long as you pay, I'm just promoting this fight. You know, it's just not even about him. We laugh at him. We ridicule him everything else. But he gets people to watch his fights, right? He's a promoter. He's a promoter. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really in a lot of ways the way Jesus wants us to look at ourselves is, I don't care what you think about me. I want you to hear the good news. And I want you to tell people about the good news. I want you to tell people how great Jesus is. I don't care if Francis gets a following. It's about Jesus. And it's about how great he is and what he's done for us. And as long as he's lifted up, I don't even care if your motives are so that you become this Christian rock star thing. I really don't care. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if your heart were humble and you cared about, you know, things of God. But as long as Jesus is lifted up, Paul says, that's all that matters to me. Um, and I love how he says, and I'll rejoice. Verse 18, yes, and I will rejoice. 
For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, we're just going to stop there. We'll, 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 uh, we'll go further next week. But uh, here's the thing. I, I want you to get this. Paul says, I don't care if I live or die in this jail cell. I really don't care. He goes, I care about one thing, and that's that Christ is honored. And if, if it means me dying and he's going to be honored, great, so be it. Kind of like what I talked about, those, those Koreans that were in that cell in Afghanistan that just one at a time surrendered their lives and go, God, whatever. You want me to die? That's going to bring you more glory? Kill me. Have the Taliban kill me. I, I don't care. You want me to live and, and, and go on and serve like Paul says? Well, maybe I'm supposed to stay on the earth because that, I mean, fruitful. He goes, you know, whatever. Whatever, God. I just surrender because really that, that one verse, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, look, all I care about is Christ. So if I'm to be alive on this earth, great. I'll tell people about Christ. And if I die, that's great. Because then I actually get to be and see Christ. Do you understand that Christ is all I care? See, when I read Paul, I go, you know what? He's the real thing. He really means that. That's not, he's not saying these words because he memorized it at Awana. You know? He's just going, no, you, you don't get it. I, I'm in jail. I don't care. You, you read about his imprisonments, his beatings, his stonings, and everything else. You go, wow, his life shows for him to live really is Christ and to die is gain. And I, I want you to, um, in fact, let's put that verse on the screen. I, I want you to, I just want to camp out on this verse and just close with this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What I've been praying for for this morning is for honesty. For you guys to look at that verse and admit, don't say the Christian thing. Just admit if you go, no, that's not me. For me, living is when my family and I are on vacation and uh, you know what? Everyone's getting along and everyone's healthy. Or, and, and my job's going well so that we could take these types of vacations and then go home to a house that's pretty nice and, and, and have retirement all set up and know the rest of my life. That's living. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Jesus, you know, and being a part of the church and having these friends and I, it's, it's not that I'm questioning whether or not you like Jesus Christ. I believe that many of you like Jesus Christ, and some of you can even, it, it goes on to love. You love Jesus. I, my question is, okay, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, that's what salvation, Jesus taught. Man, it's, it's that treasure in the field where it's like, I'll sell everything because for me, that's it. I found a treasure so great. I'll, I'll, I'll buy this field. I'll give everything else out. You know, it's, it's, it's what Jesus says. Of, well, you can't follow me unless you hate your father, mother, wife. Kid. The moment I make verses, say verses like that, you go, oh, okay, okay, this is a cult. This is a cult because you're asking for too much commitment. I'm, I'm just repeating Jesus' words. 
And for Paul, he says, for me to live is Christ. This is all I care about. Just to be honest. I mean, we're so used to lying to one another that we can't even be honest when we pray. And we'll even pray and say, God, God, you know what? For me to live is you. When God's going to give me a break. I know your heart. And can we just be honest and to be raw and say, God, you know what? I love a lot of things right now. And living for me is more than you. And just Christ, just to be on, he already knows that. And to say, God, I want to be surrendered. Okay, on Friday, on Friday I was speaking at a conference, a pastor's conference, and nothing new, I do this every week. But there was something that happened to me during the worship time. And it wasn't even like the guy up there was that great. It's just, you know, it had nothing to do with him. You know, it was just, he's a friend of mine, so I can say that, but hopefully he's listening. But, uh, um, but it was, uh, we started singing this song, sold him, Great is Thy Faithfulness, you know? And great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, thy, they fail not. It's just, this, it's just talking about God and how faithful he is to us. And I'm singing these words. And there's something about, man, I just, I just fell on my knees because here's what was happening to me at this conference. And I'm just being real with you guys. Okay. Something's happening to me that I don't like. There are a lot of things in my relationship with God that have grown and I like it. I'm really enjoying certain things in my relationship with God, this intimacy I'm enjoying with him. But there's something really ugly going on inside of me too. You see, I got to this conference and um, ever since I wrote that book, um, there's like this new uh, acknowledgement of me in the Christian world. And this this place they you know they they put out a publication a magazine and front cover there's my face you know and you, you open it up and it's about cornerstone church and us several magazines have done articles on us now and so i walk in everyone's got a magazine with my face on it everyone's got a copy of my book there's posters with life-size bigger you know my head was bigger than it is you know on these posters and i'm sitting there worshiping and and god's just opening my eyes to how much i liked it god just speaking to me you liked walking in and seeing your face on those magazines didn't you you liked walking in and this buzz in the room about Francis Chan, didn't you? And I'm just on the ground, just sobbing. I'm on my knees, just bawling my eyes out and going, God, I really liked it. In fact, I rushed to the magazine because I hadn't seen it yet. And I want to see what the pictures inside look like. And how did my face look? Did I look cool? Did I look dorky? Did I this? Did I that? And it was all about me. And you just realize I never wanted to be that person. And it started to happen in my heart. And so I'm just sobbing. And then he moves into holy, holy, holy. 
And I'm singing to this God that's on his throne, that's so holy and everything else. And realizing that I've been about me again. And here's this almighty being on this throne. And I'm excited that people are looking at my face. And again, I'm just sobbing. I'm just a wreck. I mean, not just, you know, little tears coming to my eyes, but I'm shaking. I'm sobbing so hard. Because I realize, you know what, God, to be honest, I've been so into myself. And you know that. But I know the right words to say to make other people think that I'm not. So I choose to use those. Then they introduce me, you know, I'm on my knees in the front row, just snot everywhere. And uh, so welcome up, Francis Chan. And I'm like, hi, you know. And I was like, can you turn my mic off and someone give me a Kleenex, you know. And I'm just bawling and go, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I just really loved that my face was on that magazine when you walked in. And that just sucks. That is not who I want to be. And I just had some time with God and just, I can't live that way, you know? You fool other people, but what's in your heart? Is it for me to live as Christ? Or is there some fame in there that's now for me to live as knowing that I'm on the rise in this whole fame thing? And I don't know what that means. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know that I can't live with myself that way because even though I can pretend that I'm not proud or whatever, I saw that sick side of me creeping out and it's just ugly. And my prayer is that uh, this morning for you guys, I'm going to have Jim come up and Diana and them and just, I want to give you some space. I want you to just get real with God. You know, and forget you're at church for a moment and get into that zone. Because that's where I was. I, I wasn't for, I was able to get rid of all the emails, distractions, or even thinking that I'm about to speak in a few minutes. And at that moment, it's like all I see is the throne of God. All I see is Him. And so I don't care what's about to happen. I don't care what's next. Right now, I've got some business to do with God. And He brought me to my knees. And that's not something that the worship leader did. There was no speaker. I was the speaker. So it's not like anyone talked me into it. It's just, you've had them, haven't you? Those moments with God where it's like you see him clearly and he speaks to you. You don't care how you look, but you just know this isn't true of me. You got so many other things. You don't even want to die and see Jesus. You don't even think to die is gain. Just tell him. Say, God, this stinks because I don't want to die. Because I don't really believe you're better than what I have on earth. Tell him. He already knows. Don't pretty it up and say, oh, Father, this verse is the desire of my heart, and yet I am fallen weak. And just say, God, you know what? I don't want to die right now because I just bought a car and I really like it. (laughs) You think you're fooling him? You know? Whatever it is. I just got into a relationship. I really like it. So I don't really want to see you yet. To say I know that's wrong. Change my heart. I know my friends are not going to heaven. I just don't really love them that much. 
to say something because I'm more concerned about what they'll think about me and I care more about our friendship than I care about my friend. Just say it. Just quit lying. It's for me to say to God, God, I'm arrogant. I keep talking about pride like it was something in the past. No, I really like this glory. I'm stealing some of it from you. I know you hate it. We don't have anything planned right now. I just said, you know, we'll just play some music. Give you some space to pray. If you want to get on your knees. If you want to walk up to the steps and bow down. If you want to get in the aisle. If you want to stand. If you want to just sit quietly. I don't care. Whatever God's leading you to do. Just get in that zone. Maybe some of you just want to experience that forgiveness that God gives you. Maybe some of you go, man, I, I'm all that stuff. Man, if you're talking about this little pride in your life, imagine, I'm going, man, you don't understand. There's forgiveness at the cross. No matter what you've done, Jesus can forgive you. You just got to confess it. You get baptized today if you've never given your life to Jesus. But it takes a surrender, a dying to yourself. Say, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. I just want to have peace with him. I'm going to pray for you and then just give you some space to do whatever and we'll just let the Spirit lead. Spirit of God, fall on this place. Lord, have your way with us. That means we're crying like babies. Rejoicing, getting baptized, confessing to someone else, whatever it looks like. Just have your way with the people in this room. Just help us to stop lying. powerful name of Jesus cleanse us if you need prayer there will be people up at the prayer room